are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locks on Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locks on Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? That was wonderful. And might I add, handsome host of this podcast, multimedia journalist and graphic designer, Miller Thomas. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design for today's show. Not a ton of news to talk about, but we got some interesting theories or ideas I want to talk about. One has to do with uh, someone who just stepped down as president of baseball operations for a major league team. So we'll talk about who that is and what idea I have for that person. We'll also talk about which major league baseball player who once seemed like a lock to make the Hall of Fame just got suspended the second time for PED use. And then finally, MLB.com. So the one untouchable player for every major league team. So I'll tell you who they think the D-backs most untouchable player is. But first, if your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into it. Let's dif- let's discuss that first idea I had, and it has to do with that major league executive stepping down. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's Theo Epstein of the Chicago Cubs. He's this guy, a maestro. I mean, he rebuilt the Red Sox, 86-year drought, got them a World Series championship in 04 and 07, then came to the Chicago Cubs, broke that 100-year drought, championship in 2016 this guy is the curse breaker and the diamondbacks are a curse they did win the 01 world series the only one in their franchise the only championship won in arizona sports history was done by the diamondbacks but still we need more we want to see more success why only be happy with one championship we have the only one here in the valley but let's double that let's add more rings and I don't think there's a guy that is better suited to help rebuild a franchise, uh, an executive that is better at his job, maybe in any sport. If I had to think, who? Maybe a a Jerry West in uh, in basketball terms. Maybe uh, Ozzie Newsom in football. I mean, Theo Epstein, and concerning Epstein's age, he is a lot younger than those guys, and he his track record might be greater than all of them. I mean. Theo Epstein might be the greatest executive in all of sports. And when he hits the open market, it's basically like LeBron or Mookie Betts hitting the open market. He's not he's not playing for you on the field, but what he can do for you in the front office is basically the same thing because he's going out there, he's acquiring top-level talent to go on the field for you, and he's building a perfect franchise. He's building a championship roster wherever he goes, and Rings happen to follow, just like LeBron. Wherever LeBron goes, rings follow. And the same for Theo Epstein. So why shouldn't he bring those rings to Arizona? Not to the, Why not to the city of Phoenix? And I know, 
I know the D-backs have my Kazen. I know everyone loves my Kazen. I like my Kazen too, but the last couple offseason, my Kazen seems to be going backwards. When he first came into the D-backs organization, he started off on fire. He acquired Ketel Marte. He got, you know, Taiwan Walker, who I think is better than people remember. He got JD Martinez at the deadline. Uh, he was doing some really nice things when he first got to Arizona, but the last couple off seasons, it's changed just just a little bit. Paul Goldschmidt trading, uh, they, uh, still the jury's still out on, you know, Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver, how good those players are. The Zach Greinke trade, still waiting to see on the prospects we got back in that deal. So he's been making some deals recently where it got you scratching your head just a little bit. Now he did do the Zach Gallon deal. He did do something like that, but then he just did the starring Marte deal. So recently it seems like his deals have been a little bit more hit or miss, and some of that just... You know, playing into a small market, you have to think about the financial cap a lot more. But Theo, I've seen, I think, it's just a wizard when it comes to working the cap. When it comes to work, well, there is no cap, of course, in baseball. When it comes to just working the money and the luxury tax. But Theo Epstein is a beast at what he does. And I like Mike Hazen a lot. But when Theo Epstein hits the market, I feel like you have to figure out a way to get him. And Mike Hazen actually worked under Theo Epstein just for a short period of time. I actually looked it up. Because Mike Hazen, uh, he used to be in the Indians organization in the Indians organization from 04 to 05, but then he actually worked in the Red Sox organization as director of player development in February 2006. Epstein was still there until 2007. He didn't leave until after that second World Series with the Red Sox. So they spent a little bit of time together. So. Just because Theo Epstein comes to the D-backs, it doesn't mean Mike Hazen has to leave. They already have that rapport. Uh, even Toy Lovello might have uh, crossed paths with Theo Epstein. I'm not too sure on that one. But at least Mike Hazen and Toy Lovello, or excuse me, at least Mike Hazen and Theo Epstein have a little bit of a connection. There's already uh, They've already worked together, so they already got that wavelength that they can you know, kind of see through the same prism and the same perspective. But... Where it gets interesting is you can't have two GMs, of course. One of them is going to have to be the GM and one's going to have to be the president of baseball operations. And Mike Hazen has already dealt with that. When he was in the Red Sox organization, he was the GM for a little bit. But since Dave Dombrowski was the president of baseball operations, he ultimately had the final say. And that's kind of where, you know, Mike Hazen is now because technically Derek Hall is the president, but that's where I think this gets interesting. I like Derek Hall a lot. He's the fourth longest tenured executive in all of baseball. But, but there has been no World Series under Derek Hall. The World Series came before Derek Hall. So why do we need to show our loyalty to him? He has done some great things for the D-backs franchise. Don't get me wrong. They've won two National League uh West Division Championship, so they won the NL West twice, they won a wild card series, and they've been to an NLCS. But the postseason track record still isn't that great. Only making the postseason, what, three times during Derek Hall's tenure? I believe, yes, just looking at it, I'm looking at baseball reference. So yes, only three times they made it to the NLCS once, then the divisional uh, series twice where they lost both of those times. So their track record or postseason success is really not that great. So if we're able to go out there and get a guy like Theo Epstein to come and replace Derek Hall, I'm going to feel pretty bad. I like Derek Hall. He's a nice guy. He's always said the right things. I've seen him a bunch of times on Arizona Sports talking about the Diamondbacks. I know he wants to build this team. He's been really good for the city. 
he he's done great things. He was able to get a World Series to be played at Chase Field. It wasn't the D-backs in it, but he was able to bring an MLB All-Star game and a World Series Baseball Classic to Chase Field. And he negotiated the largest financial transaction largest financial transaction in franchise history. A 20-year deal with Fox so they can have the television rights to the Diamondbacks. I mean, think about all the things that Derek Hall has done. A lot of great things financially for the for the community. Just, you know, the, the fervor around the D-backs. But now it's time. He, he's built a culture. But now it's time to win a ring. And there's no one out there better at building a championship roster than Theo Epstein. And I don't want to see Derek Hall get the boot, but maybe he could stay on as another executive. But if we have a chance to go from Derek Hall to Theo Epstein, that's a clear upgrade. And we can still... Keep Mike Hazen as an executive. He can still be the GM, and Toy Lovello can still be the manager. They're all cut from the Red Sox cloth, and they know they all know what it takes to win a ring, and Theo Epstein has done it multiple times. He's built that team that's won a ring. He's been there before. He's broken the droughts, and the D-backs are not in a long drought. 0-1, it's not that long ago, but it's getting a year away from making it a 20-year drought, and just four playoff appearances since that 0-1 team, it's just not good enough. Excuse me. Yeah, I said I got it right. Four playoff appearances since that 0-1 team, three under Derek Hall. It's just not good enough, and Theo Epstein, he gets his teams to the playoffs, and he gets some to win a ring, so if I'm able to make that upgrade from Derek Hall to Theo Epstein, I'm going to do it in a heartbeat. I'm going to feel bad. I'm going to give Derek Hall a rose on the way out the door. I'm going to shed a tear. But one tear is going to be for sadness for Derek Hall, and the other tear is going to be for George to see a championship GM, a championship executive come into the fold. Now I'll tell you what former Surefire Hall of Fame lock just threw away his candidacy by failing his second PED test. But first, all right, all right, all right, let's get back into it before I talk to you guys about that. Former Surefire Hall of Famer who just got caught with PEDs. Once again, I want to talk to you guys about this MLB.com article. They basically went through every team and they said the one untouchable, the one guy you can't get rid of. And for the Diamondbacks, I think it pretty easily comes down to two players, Ketel Marte or Zach Gallon. And obviously, you know, it has to be one of those two dudes. But real quick, who do you guys think it is in your heads? If you had to make an argument for each one, who would it be? Zach Allen, of course, he looked like the Cy Young. He, he looked like a Cy Young favorite last season. He did finish top 10 in voting. He was dynamite, uh, increased that streak he had of three earned runs or fewer allowed to start your major league career. He now has the all-time streak at that. He owns the all-time record. So Zach Allen was great last season. Outside of two bad innings where he gave up eight earned runs, his ERA was a 1.77. So Zach Allen was dynamite last year. Strikeouts pretty good. Strikeouts per nine, pretty good. Didn't walk a lot of people. His hits per nine was a little bit high, but this guy just was dominant last year. He didn't give up earned runs, and he wasn't put a t- he wasn't putting himself in bad situations. He was always able to get out of it. And he just pitched great. And then you look at the other guy who might be considered untouchable, Ketel Marte. 
2020 was a pretty down season for him. Didn't hit for average. OBP struggled really to get on base. The power really disappeared from him, and he just overall offensively just was not the same kind of player. But we know what kind of potential he has. He was an MVP in 2019. He did bat over 300, a great OBP, 30-plus home runs, you know, 90 ribbies. He was an all-time great player in 2019. You know, he was arguably the best second baseman in 2019. Now it makes you wonder, which of those two players are more untouchable? On one hand, you got yourself, you know, a starting pitcher who looks like a Cy Young guy every season. And we know how valuable pitching is. Just look at the postseason every year. Pitching is so important. And I think really... For the postseason, you want those guys that could go deep into ball games, and Zach Allen starting to show that he could go deeper. Starting to put a little, he was starting to put together those six, seven inning outings, and that's really special from your top level pitchers in your rotation. So I like having a guy that could go pretty deep into ball games, who I could give the ball to for seven innings, and no, he's not going to allow more than two or three earned runs. But then you also have Ketel Marte playing second base, and we know what of a stud he is offensively he was almost mvp just a couple of seasons ago he can carry your team offensively be that guy at the top of your order who can also provide the power get on base when he needs to and just absolutely slug it out so the debate between those two are going to rage on this diamondbacks roster for a few years for a few years into the future and we're really gonna have to decide which of these two guys are gonna be the biggest fan favorite. I mean, maybe it's going to be Zach Allen. Maybe it's going to be Ketel Marte. But according to MLB.com, the one untouchable player on here for the Arizona Diamondbacks is Zach Gallen. And yes, I do agree with them. I love Ketel Marte, but an elite starting pitcher is a little bit more valuable than your elite uh, rotation or, or your elite lineup player, your elite positional player, just because Ketel Marte is going to make plays in the infield, but how many ground balls he's going to get? He's going to get a few in the game, and he's going to make his plays. But defensively, second base is not the most important defensive position in the infield. It's definitely important, but it's not the most important. And then offensively, he could do a lot. He could hit 30 home runs. He could have his MVP type of season. And the D-backs still miss the postseason. And the same for Zach Gallon. We saw a great heat pitch this year, and it didn't really amount to any wins. But I think it's a lot easier for your pitcher to be great and for a team to win games and for your hitter because your pitcher could go out there every fifth day and that could be almost a guaranteed win but for Ketel Marte he can go out there have an amazing game every time and the pitcher could just be that much worse where you know the starting pitcher that day if it's Madison Baumgartner gives up six earned runs and it doesn't matter the two solo home runs that Ketel Marte hit I think for positional players, it's just so much more interdependent on the guys around you. You need guys to get on base before you get up if you want those RBIs. You need guys to produce after you get on base if you want to score those runs. So I think it's just a lot more interdependent position. You do need pitchers. Uh, pitchers are interdependent as well because they need their defense to make plays in outfield and the infield to get those easy outs. But still, you could be a pitcher and just strike out everyone and just never give the other team a chance. You can't really do that if you're a position player. You don't have as much control and your fingerprint isn't as strong on the game so i agree with mlb.com zach allen is the guy that is the most untouchable player in the diamondbacks organization now let's let's go over the 
former surefire hall of famer who just got suspended for the second time by peds and it is none other i know you guys probably already heard the news but it is none other than robinson cano don't you know and cano this guy i mean he finished in top five in mvp voting one two three four times in top five in mvp voting another time he finished six another time he finished eighth another time he finished 17th so this is a guy who's was always right in there with the mvp awards and there was a four-year stretch from 2010 to 2013 where he won four straight silver sluggers with two gold gloves and that's when he finished top five in mvp voting three times so this guy was a stud from 2010 to 2014 he had one of the greatest stretches for a second baseman in you know in the last 20 years he was a guy who is still a career 303 hitter so you know he can hit for average during that time with the yankees too he was an on-base machine i mean his obp was around 375 every season and his slugging in that time too was around 850 to 910 he's a career 844 ops guy so offensively this guy has been a stud for a majority of his career and he slowed down recently but even until before his first ped suspension because cano was first suspended for peds back in 2018 but before that he was he was 35 in 2018 when he was first suspended but in 2016 2017 those two years prior with the seattle mariners he was pretty good he made the all-star team in 2016 and 27 and in 2016 and 2017 at age 33 and age 34 he had 39 home runs at age 33 in 2016 and 23 the year after but he then got busted for PEDs in 2018, only played half the season, but still at pretty solid numbers in those 80 games. He batted 303, 374, or 374 OBP, 845 OPS, 10 home runs. So, of course, over a full season, you'd think those numbers would be greatly improved. 2019, he only played 107 games. Looked really not like the same Cano, really a shell of himself. But in 2020, he actually looked pretty good again in the 50 games he played. He had 10 home runs, which was the same amount he had in 2018 when he played 80 games and he had only 13 in 2019 so 10 in 50 games is a lot better than 13 in 107 games and not to mention in 2020 he also batted 316 352 obp at 896 ops so out of nowhere this guy's slugging and power just came back he had 20 he had what nine doubles in just 50 games so that would put you on a pace for around 27 doubles just about hit a lot of his power just came back in terms of slugging at least he had a 544 slugging percentage which was his highest slugging since uh 2012 when he finished fourth in mvp vote just think about that 2020 was cano's highest slugging percentage since 2012 when he finished fourth in mvp voting so it's not really a shock to see that cano got suspended i mean considering his power numbers were going up he uh, suddenly was hitting for average again. He was suddenly getting on base again. It's not really a surprise that a guy at age 37 was kind of having a, a rejuvenation. And it's really just sad to see, honestly. I, I grew up on the East Coast. I grew up in New Jersey. So I watch a ton of Yankee games. And I'm 23 years old. So I really got into baseball right as Cano's career was taking off. And he was fun to watch. I hated the Yankees, honestly, growing up in New Jersey. I wasn't a Yankees fan, but... I thought Cano was, I hated Cano because I had so much respect for Cano. I thought he was such a good player and he was just so dominant every year with the Yankees. And I was really shocked to see that the Yankees didn't want to resign him because they love 
handing out massive deals to, to stars. You know, there's two free agents. And this was a homegrown guy who was top five in MVP voting every season. And they just let him walk. They let him take the biggest contract with the Mariners. And I found that shocking. I found that really shocking. Honestly, I'm still surprised that the Yankees didn't want to re-sign Cano. And maybe they were right about it. Maybe he was just not a good locker room guy. And since he's been to Seattle, he's been an all-star three times with the Mariners. But now he's got suspended twice and he's basically like the new Manny Ramirez he was a surefire Hall of Famer who threw away his candidacy and I loved Manny Ramirez I think he's one of the greatest baseball players of all time but we know his career is tarnished because of how many times he failed the PD test and now the same is for Cano he was a great player he was almost a Hall of Fame lock he probably had a, a chance of greater than 80% to make the Hall of Fame but now that's practically not practically. It's at zero. He has no chance of making the Hall of Fame. He's not playing this season. He just got suspended for the for the whole year. He just forfeited $24 million. So this is going to be, this may not be the end of Cano, but this is the end of Cano's legacy. And Cano can still have a pretty nice baseball career. I mean, look at Nelson Cruz since he's uh, tested positive for PDs. He's turned into one of the best players in baseball. No one even questions it. He got suspended, what? Back in 2013, I want to say. Yes, 2013. Just Googled it. So Nelson Cruz, after 2013, that first season back, led the American League in home runs. He's been a 40 home run guy ever since he tested positive for PEDs. He's been an MVP candidate. He's been one of the best power hitters in all of baseball since he's tested positive for PEDs. I mean, look at him. He's age 39 and he just had 61 not 61, 16 home runs this season. And last season, age 38, he had 41 home runs. So this guy is still slugging. So Cano still might have a couple of seasons left in him. But in terms of a legacy, Cano basically flushed it down the toilet when he stuck that needle in his booty. Just kidding. I don't know if Cano shot himself in his butt. But that's the end of this Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Come back tomorrow because Locked On Diamondbacks, your team every day. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. At Creator Thomas24, at Lockdown Diamondbacks on Twitter and Instagram. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy out there. Deuces!